What if I told you that scientists have figured out how to reduce the amount of methane cattle produce by changing their genetic code? Or that we have figured out how to quickly and definitively diagnose rare genetic diseases? Thanks to genomics, many of our biggest challenges from cancer to climate change to pandemics might help get solved. Welcome to In Focus with David Coletto. I'm David Coletto. On this episode of In Focus, I'm joined by Rob Anon, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Genome Canada, the national nonprofit organization that for 20 years has invested in genomic science and innovation through academic industry partnerships to improve the lives of Canadians. Rob and I spoke about the science of genomics, the opportunities it offers to solve some big problems, and what Canadians know and think about genomics. I hope you find my discussion with Rob useful and interesting. Rob, so great to see you. Uh, welcome to In Focus. Before we get into what we're here to talk about, I just learned in our kind of pre-chat that you, like me, are a big fan of, of, of cycling. And um, as we're recording this, we're days away from the start of the Tour de France. So um, I'm even uh, more uh, close to you now because we share that. Um, what's your favorite part of the Tour de France? Well, it's, uh, I mean, I love watching the the battles uh, on the climbs and mostly because uh, I can't do that. You know, my Alp d'Huez is basically Pink Lake here in Gatineau <laughs> Park. Uh, that's about as far as I'm going to go. But uh, it is just remarkable watching these uh, watching these riders battle it out day after day. I mean, it's just unreal. It's, the, it's always the stories within the stories, you know, the little battles that are taking place. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting starting up just in a few days now. I can't wait. So, um just to remind our, our listeners, you are the president and chief executive officer of Genome Canada. And so before we get into the intersection of public opinion and, and the policy side of, of what Genome Canada is doing, um, maybe you can give our listeners a, a quick briefings on what genomics is, you know, and, and why people who, you know, should care beyond, you know, your world and the science scientists that are that are doing the research around it. Sure. So uh, genomics, uh, so technically speaking, genomics is the branch of science that deals with the study of DNA and RNA. So uh, specifically the study of the full complement of genetic material of any living organism. So, you know, all the stuff that makes you, you and me, me, but also, you know, corn, corn and fish, fish and so on and so forth. Right. It's the it's all that genetic information, um, you know, maybe more generally, we can think of genomics as sort of the operating system of life, of living mm -hmm. systems. So it's really genomics is that sort of that science and technology that's built around really the living systems, the, 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 the almost like the digital information encoded in our DNA, RNA, uh, that, that really drives those living systems. Um, so it's really, you know, thinking about this is the kind of the, the base level information that, you know, you know, helps drive kind of proteins that are inside the cells, how cells work, how those cells then add up into, you know, organs and, and influence everything from, you know, health to, uh, to our agriculture and so on and so forth. So, um, 
obviously genomics itself, uh, you know, the, the DNA, the RNA that drives living systems long uh, predates, uh, you know, our capability of kind of understanding it. Uh, genetics are at the core of, of uh, you know, kind of modern agriculture, of everything we, you know, sort of we know about uh, about health and, and, and disease. Uh, but really, it's the last 20 years or so, uh, you know, since the completion of the Human Genome Project that genomics has, has really taken off. And during those last 20 years, we've really learned how to not just uh, read that information, but really interpret it, uh, understand it in a pretty nuanced way. And increasingly, we're learning how to really kind of use that information to understand uh, and inform our interactions with living environments, so whether that's through health and disease or in these other uh, areas, like I mentioned, agriculture and natural resources and, and so on. And that, that ability is really fundamentally transforming how we think about health, how we think about the environment, how we think about the economy. Uh, and so, you know, when we think about why we should care about it, I mean, you don't really need to look any further than COVID uh, to see really clear examples of that. Um, you know, vaccine development happened at a record pace, uh, and that was really driven by kind of genomic understanding of you know what the uh, of the of the sequence of the virus certainly of the emergence of the variants and so on uh, and then the development of the mrna vaccines that were able to really match uh, very precisely what the what those variants look like uh, identifying and tracking all the variants of concern that have popped up uh, you know across, around the world and certainly here in canada that was also really driven by genomics developing therapeutics and so on all of that is uh, is being driven by genomics and that's that's the COVID context, but we're seeing the same sort of thing in, in rare disease, in cancer, in other infectious disease, uh, and across all these other sectors. So uh, a relatively young science, um, although to your point, the beginning of, of, of life, it's always been there. We just have only recently really understood uh, it. And, and you mentioned COVID and, and other health applications, but I think uh, you touched on agriculture and some other areas, but listeners might be surprised to learn of the range of, of problems that uh, researchers, scientists are, are, are exploring how genomics could actually help solve. Can you give us a sense of beyond health, like what, what, what's happening in the, in, in the labs across Canada and around the world? Yeah, absolutely. So um quickly, I'll touch on a couple of quick kind of health uh, innovations that might not be completely apparent initially first. So beyond COVID, we think about, uh, I mentioned rare diseases, you know, uh, rare diseases are, 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 are important. They're individually rare, but collectively quite common. Two to 3% of individuals are affected by a rare disease and they are genetic. Um, genomics is now allowing us to uh, both diagnose and uh, in many cases treat those rare diseases uh, much, much more effectively than ever in the past. And that's because we're able to effectively find that sort of the needle in the haystack when it comes to the kind of the genetic underpinnings of those rare diseases. And there are big initiatives here in Canada and around the world now really putting this into use. Um, it's really helping address cancer, for instance, uh, you know, in terms of uh, really bringing precision health tools. Cancer, as, as I'm sure you and many of your listeners know, is a bit of like an umbrella term for a variety of, of uh, you know, molecular um, uh, changes that occur that cause cancerous growth in different ways. This uh, kind of genomic technologies allow us to be able to really kind of tease out the individuality of various types of cancer. That means we can have much more precise treatments, things like CAR T uh, cell treatments as well. Like, so there's lots of really amazing health applications. But to your point, in something like, say, agriculture, for instance, you know, uh, globally, we're facing uh, real challenges uh, in, um, you know, 
kind of our, our major crop production because the climate is changing so rapidly that it's putting real strains on our, our food production systems, whether that's through heat or drought and whatnot. So there are major global initiatives, including here in Canada, underway to, for instance, identify wild relatives of our of our most uh, important food crops and then figure out which genes are most important in heat resistance, drought resistance, and so on. And being able to do this precisely means we can actually have very accelerated and targeted breeding systems. So that's one area um you know at the other end of the you know sort of things we are working for instance in the north with a number of uh, indigenous communities where uh, we have projects that are that are combining traditional uh, in indigenous knowledge with you know cutting edge genomic technologies to uh, really understand and track fish populations over time and so being able to kind of merge historic information from these communities with current kind of modern genomic information allows us to uh, to think much more um, you know kind of uh, productively about food sustainability for the future as well as potential economic development really cool t new technologies are allowing us to actually uh, use what we call environmental DNA. So this is DNA that's shed by uh, by organisms in their environment. So for instance, in aquatic systems, we can then actually basically capture that floating DNA and use that to, to for biomonitoring. So for instance, to track species, species at risk, to track populations and so on. That's going to be uh, super important as we think about climate change. And maybe one last area I'll mention is uh, a really exciting um, and fascinating new area uh, around the microbiome. Um, and this is really the, stu the study of populations of microorganisms. And uh, genomics allows us to tease out kind of the, how those populations work together. And that has um, implications and everything from, you know, the human microbiome biome, which we're learning has, uh, you know, impacts on everything from mental health to, uh, to, to disease, uh, but also things like the soil microbiome and thinking about ways that we can grow, uh, you know, food crops, for instance, more sustainably uh, over time. So um, there's lots of, I mean, really fascinating. And, and, and I'll just say that this is not just uh, actually taking place in the lab, but a lot of this is being driven by companies here in Canada and abroad uh, who are really looking to bring this to market, um, to, to implement this and, and and use these tools and technologies uh, in ways that are actually kind of in the living world and not simply in the academic space. And I'll, and I'll come back to this in more detail, but, but maybe give us a sense of, you know, how does Canada compare in terms of both the science and the commercialization of this technology relative to, to peers in other, other parts of the world? Like, are we, from your perspective, a leader or on the cusp of being a leader in this? And, and are there... A lot of opportunities here for us to, to both develop and then export this, yeah. this expertise. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, um, we are, we, should, we, we really should be proud of what we've built here in Canada in genomics. And so the federal government has invested in genomics via Genome Canada for, for more than 20 years now. And, um, you know, uh, interestingly, uh, you know, Genome Canada was actually created largely because Canada wasn't involved in the sequencing of the human genome. And so there was a large international consortium. Um, Canada had great genome scientists, but we weren't actually part of that international effort. And it was those scientists who said, you know, we're going to miss the boat if we don't get our act together and 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 kind of take a strategic view on this. That led to the creation of Genome Canada. And, uh, you know, to its credit, uh, the government's investments over those 20 some years have allowed us to not just catch up, but to really actually take the lead in a number of areas. So we now have, um, you know, I would say world-class infrastructure when it comes to genomics uh, across the country. Uh, on the health side, uh, 
Uh, we have researchers who are absolutely top of the world. We do sometimes run into some challenges when it comes to implementation, given the the federated nature of health in this country, which which we can come back to. But we are particularly strong in areas like agriculture, forestry, natural resources, fisheries, um, and uh, and 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 that's a huge advantage to us because, of course, those are sectors where we are already economically strong. And if you put together that strong economic tradition that that base with really cutting edge technology um you know we are seeing now opportunities open up where canada will be able to take real global leadership both you know on the kind of the research side but even maybe more importantly on the commercial side so i'm a pollster so our my episodes of, of in focus often have some polling data in it and um earlier this year abacus data and and genome canada uh, partnered to do some uh, public opinion research to explore just what Canadians know and think about it. Um, quick summary of what we found, uh, you know, broadly speaking, we found that, you know, attitudes about genomics fit within a broader worldview. And so your, your views towards the science and its applications are often linked to your broader attitudes about science more generally, religion, beliefs in nature. Um, I don't think it was surprising. Not, not a whole lot of Canadians are, are deeply familiar with it, as with most, I would say, scientific things. Um, but it's not insignificant. Three in 10 say they, they have some familiarity. And we, we learned from the research that, as you alluded to earlier, the pandemic did put a spotlight on the application of the technology of the science and, and how it could actually me be meaningful uh, for people. And so this was a moment where I think far more people were exposed to it. Um, for those who are aware, we, we find generally positive views. There's, there's a very small, you know, tiny, in fact, minority of people who have a negative view of of genomics, but there are some who have mixed views. And I think the interesting thing from a, from a public opinion perspective is this like, you know, almost conflict in some people's minds about the upsides and downsides to the science and, and driven largely by a lack of familiarity, but I think uh, some, some fair um, concerns that, that we understand. Now, when we informed respondents about genomics, we did find large majorities believe it can help the planet, um, you know, 81% uh, support using genomics to diagnose and plan treatments for, for cancer patients, a similar number uh, support using it to identify, track, and ultimately contain outbreaks of COVID. Um, Two-thirds support using it to identify microbes that can reduce carbon in the atmosphere to help decrease greenhouse gases. And then, you know, an application in mining, 73% uh, support using it to help clean runoff water from, from mining operations. And so we find in particular as you, as you introduce the actual applications of genomics and, the, and how the technology can be used, you know, find pretty universal support. Um, and then finally, as you might expect, given the other results, you know, um, and to your point about the, the federal government's investment in uh, Genome Canada for the past 20 years, a plurality of Canadians think that uh, governments should continue to invest more in, in, in genomics and very few think uh, they should be spending less. And so this, this really paints a picture in my mind of a public that at once isn't deeply familiar with, with what's, what's happening um, and, and, and the science itself. But I don't think, as I like to say, you know, many people understand how a combustion engine works, but understand how to drive a car and understand what the value of that car is. And so when you look at the polling we did, as someone who's leading this organization, probably its number one advocate across the country, what do the polling results mean to you? 
Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I was really encouraged by these results. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm surprised necessarily, um, uh, but not, I, I was really encouraged. Um, the, I'll unpack a couple of things. On the question of, you know, how much people know about genomics or what have you, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the least bit surprised. I think it was really actually even just during the pandemic when even my own my own mother kind of finally got the <laughs> sense of, oh, right, now I get it, what it is that that you do or what have you, right? So, you know, people don't need to understand um, the, the, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of the science. And to your point with combustion engines, there's lots I don't understand about, you know, how computers work if you get down to that kind of coding level, but I'm more than happy to use my iPhone or my laptop or what have you. Right. So, so I, I'm not surprised to see the same sort of thing here when we look at genomics. It's, um, it's not genomics per se, um, which is kind of abstract and hypothetical, but the impact. And when we start looking at kind of like health applications, environmental applications, and so on, and people see it with, within a context, they're much better, I think, able to understand the, you know, kind of risk benefit analysis, the use case analysis. And that it's, a, you know, I think it's clear that the, the science behind genomics can really deliver important impacts and results, and that there's a lot of promise there. Um, but I also am not surprised by, and, I, and I'm not bothered by the fact that there are some, you know, some questions being raised and some concerns even. And I don't know that it's just a lack of familiarity. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, uh, you know, of course, I'm a huge booster for genomics and I, I see huge potential. But I also recognize, of course, that there are risks and that there are, you know, things that we need to be, be concerned about and collectively concerned about. And I do think that that's true with any new kind of science and technology, well, even existing science and technology, you know, Genomics, um, you know, like all science, is value neutral. Uh, and so when, you know, we are thinking about how it's going to impact our lives, we need to be ensuring that it's being used responsibly, that it's being used equitably. Um, this is something that we think about a lot at Genome Canada. Uh, and in fact, right from the very beginning uh, of our organization, um, we've invested, we invest about 15% of our annual budget into uh, something that we call GELS research, which is an acronym for uh, genomics and its environment mental, ethical, economic, legal, and social implications. And so, you know, what are the implications of this technology? How do we, how do we think about its adoption and its use? Uh, we're, we're committed to making sure that the benefits are, um, you know, responsibly developed and delivered and equitably applied. Um, and these are societal issues, right? So these are, these are not simply the concern of the scientists involved, but these, these actually speak to then larger concerns about what kind of society we want to have and how we ensure that technological advances are uh, not just used responsibly, but equitably shared in terms of their benefits. And you raise a, a good point and, and a good segue to the next sort of part of the conversation, which is, is, is looking at, and, and you know, the, the relationship between trust and science, right? The pandemic, come back to it again and again, but put a spotlight on science and misinformation, right? About vaccines, mandates, science-based policy that in some quarters has spread pretty quickly and, and, and broadly. And as you said, given that genomics is relatively new, um, rapidly evolving, its applications changing quickly, how do you then build confidence? And maybe it's, it's like, you know, the work that you're doing um, with what you just described, but how do you build confidence and trust in it? And that, that, that those who, you know, think of the, the, the general public and they hear a story about, you know, what some of the research that's being done can feel confident that, um, you know, it's going to be used, as you said, responsibly, but also that the, the people involved when they say something um, can stand by it and people can feel confident that it's, it's the truth. 
Yeah, I think there there's a couple of considerations. I think first we touched on it in the last question about this uh, the value of making the technology concrete. So not talking about it as a hypothetical, um, but really talking about it in terms of application. So genomics is in some ways a catch-all for a variety of different technologies, approaches, and you know, we have uh, some people in the community who talk about genomics as a philosophy, really. Mm. It's kind of a way of approaching living systems and and understanding how they work at the molecular level and so on. Um, But really what what matters is how that then interacts with with society. So how are we going to use this technology on the health side? How are we going to use this technology in other sectors like agriculture and so on? And I think when you take those conversations and you make them more concrete, then people are able to actually have, um, I would say, a more, uh, uh, you know, a more grounded conversation instead of something that happens in the abstract, where I don't think it's as it's as useful. Um, the second, I think, is that, you know, certainly as a community of researchers and, and and practitioners, you know, we need to make sure that we're open and transparent about what the science can and can't do. Um, you know, what, what where there's real opportunity, where there are still some limitations. You know, certainly at Genome Canada, we're, we, we do our best to share the, the stories of the projects we're funding. Um, you know, the reasons that we're funding them, these are, you know, um, about 40% of the funding for our project comes from the federal government, which means it comes from Canadians. And, uh, and that means that they have, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to share with them what it is we're doing and why we're doing it and we try to make that real and we try to be transparent about that um but i think that you know the 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 third piece i'd point to here is kind of a responsibility that we collectively have as scientists in the community and that is really to um to proceed with humility as we work with this stuff too uh because it's easy to get excited and i do believe me i get excited about this right i really do see this as transformational i see huge amounts of upside but just because i'm excited about it doesn't mean everyone is going to feel that same excitement and i need to make sure that i and and others who are in my space are able to meet people where they are and to really um you know uh, communicate and where people have concerns not to dismiss that not to just sort of wave it away as like well if you knew what i knew you'd feel differently but instead to really engage with people and uh, and help them see and listen to where their concerns are because uh, because you know we will have blind spots too. So I want to spend a little time talking about the public policy dynamic of this and right now the Federal Department of Innovation Science and Economic Development I said for the Ottawa Ottawa crowd is developing a pan-Canadian genomic strategy. So why is such a strategy being developed? And what are you hoping to see come from it? And I know the consultation that's taking place right now in developing it. Yeah. So as you can imagine, I'm, you know, I'm certainly very pleased that the government has uh, launched this, this, this process, the development of this, this national strategy. Um, You know, I'm, obviously a big booster for genomics that's you know i did my my academic training in this space and and now being at this interface of policy and 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 the science it's exciting to see government really pick this up but it's not new i mean like i said off the top you know the federal government um you know launched genome canada with a significant investment 20 years ago and has been investing cons- you know consistently during that time which really does mean that we have a world class ecosystem here in canada uh you know part of the way we are structured at genome canada it's a little uh you know it's a little it's a little unique in that we ha- we are a federated system so we have six genome centers that we work with who are independent 
of Genome Canada, but linked very tightly in terms of both strategy and development. And those centers work at the provincial level and at the mm. regional level. And so we ourselves are a federated system um, supported both by the federal government and the provincial government. And as you can imagine, over 20 years, that kind of uh, support, in addition to everything else that's kind of grown up around it in terms of you know infrastructure and talent and skills and so on, really means that there's been a, a bit of a fragmentation across the system. So this is a chance after 20 years or so to sort of take a step back to uh, say, okay, great, where are we today? Uh, what does the landscape look like? And what do we want to do with the next 20 years, right? And so uh, so this is a chance for, um, you know, the government to think about how to maximize the impact from the technology, uh, to think about how to coordinate with, say, for instance, the provinces on, on the health implications uh, of genomics, uh, to think about how it intersects with a variety of other activities that are happening uh, around innovation investments, and whether that's growth funds or new innovation agencies and so on. So really, it's an idea around coordination uh, and also to think about kind of setting some some high level objectives. But what's really encouraging is that, you know, when when this was announced back in budget 2021, it was announced alongside a renewal of the AI strategy as well as a launching of the quantum strategy. And so it's clear that the government is thinking about ways that these technology drivers can contribute to long term economic prosperity in the country, which which, of course, I think is really important. So if I'm an elected official, um, or just a, a public policymaker within um, any level of government? Like, why, why should I advocate or champion genomics research and innovation in Canada? Like, what, you know, give me the, the pitch on the economic, social, and, and I guess, you know, impact side of, of the why. Sure. So, you know, I, I, I discussed a little earlier how genomics is sort of like the information technology of living systems. And uh, we're in the early days of, of recognizing the impact of our abilities to work with that information technology. And I really do believe that the next 30 years will see impacts uh, from genomics and biosciences that will uh, in some ways mirror the impacts of information technology over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so there's things that we can predict and there's things that we can't predict in terms of the ways in which uh, our health, our environment, our economy will be impacted by all of this. But there are those who are thinking about it. Uh, you know, uh, the, the McKinsey uh, uh, Global Institute did a study a year or two ago on on kind of the bio revolution that's being driven by genomics, and and they found that um, as much as sixty percent of the inputs into the global economy could be produced biologically. So uh, this is, you know, obviously there's biological things like, you know, wood and food and so on that are already kind of biological, but also two thirds of these are not currently biological. And this is using new technologies and new processes, but plastics, fuel, uh, other materials, using systems that we we already have in place or, or have a path to actually creating. So this is gonna make, uh, you know, our production systems much more sustainable. Uh, it's gonna uh, you know, transform, um, uh, you know, our economy. Um, and it's also going to, you know, on the health side, we expect probably about half of the global disease burden will be addressed by technologies that we currently have. So you've got the economy side, you have the health side, and we in Canada are super well positioned for this because we've got phenomenal universities and, 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 and students being trained in those spaces big investments that already happened on infrastructure, but we also have a base to grow from in terms of our economy, particularly in natural resources, agriculture, and energy. So the ultimate question is, you know, will Canada be a net producer of the technologies and the change that's coming, uh, or are we going to be a net consumer? Because this is coming. Uh, and so, uh, you know, this is a huge opportunity, a huge opportunity for Canada, and uh, all the pieces are nicely lined up for us. So when you, you you've, you've gotten me 
excited because somebody who's a half glass full kind of guy. And I think anybody who, you know, sees a lot of the the issues around the world, you, you talked about, you know, food supply or climate change, and you hear leaders say, you know, human ingenuity is going to be a big part of how we solve for these. If my, my perspective now is, it seems like genomics is likely going to play a big part in, in getting us there because of just how, how broad uh, its application can be and, and how, um, how new and exciting, I think, the opportunities are, right? And so so that, that, that to me is just in a broader narrative, something that you can point to and say, because a lot of, you know, when we do public opinion work and, you know, you ask people about the future and the anxieties they're feeling, you know, they want to feel optimistic. It's been hard in the last few years to feel optimistic, but I do think there's a clear link between showing what's happening, you know, uh, in the lab or among companies or in, in, in organizations in Canada who are doing this research to actually say, look, we, you know, in a very short period of time, we've made a lot of progress on some really big issues. And genomics has is, 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 is been, you know, understanding, as you said, the, the operating system of life has allowed us to do that. So I just see this like, it, 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 it could be the thing that, that leaders, policy leaders raise as an example that, that collectively builds, you know, cohesion and, and, and hope for people at a time when, when it's in short supply. So, um, no, it's, it's really exciting. So I guess to wrap up, and I always like to ask this question of folks who, who have some advocacy role or, or, or are working with, with policymakers and governments, Seeing as, as though the federal government is your primary, uh, you know, funder and, and supporter, you know, if there's one thing that, that beyond the strategy, and I know that's in development, um, is there's one thing the federal government could do tomorrow that would most help, in your view, drive innovation and, and, and success in genomics, what would you like to see? Well, uh I have to say coming out of COVID and having had our heads in the health space for so long, you know, if, if I could really do one thing, I wouldn't mind reopening the constitution and reallocating <laughs> responsibility for healthcare to, to do national level stuff, but I don't see that happening. So let no. me instead, let me instead um, think more broadly here. And I'm going to cheat a bit by kind of saying two things, but they're super linked. So they become almost like one thing, right? Um, the first is that we need to really actually be big and bold. And this is not something we always do in Canada, but we need to be big and bold. And we need to, in a sense, invest accordingly in those areas where we really do think we can lead the world. So, you know, health, uh, you know, there's huge potential impact, but when it comes to food and agriculture, when it comes to um, the environment, when it comes to uh, energy, these are areas where we are already among the world leaders. We really could set ourselves up to be global leaders for the next, you know, half century uh, with the technologies that we are, we have effectively in hand today. So I think, you know, being bold in terms of really making kind of a big bet in those areas is going to be important. But the second piece, and that's linked to that, is to understand that it's not enough to kind of invest upstream in terms of, you know, the, the, the technology development. You also need to, in a sense, try to, you know, clear the path by also uh, thinking boldly about regulatory issues, about policy issues, about procurement issues. And so when it comes to innovation, there's this kind of both demand and supply trade-off. And government, um, you know, is not always great at linking those two pieces. So if I could say there's one thing the federal government could do tomorrow, it would be to uh, to, to think boldly, of course, uh, make big investments, but make sure that you're also clearing the way so that the uh, the innovations can, you know, that are ready and be, can be brought to market uh, have a clear path ahead of them. Well, Rob, this has been uh, 
I've learned, as I always do when I talk to you and your team, um, insightful and, and, and informative. Um, one of the best parts of my job is I get to learn something new every day. And this is something that I don't think I thought I would learn about when I started doing social research, but um, fascinating stuff. I also think, you know, we often talk about exploring space and going where, you know, man has not gone before, but there's still so much we don't even know about like ourselves actually at the micro level. And, and those in your ecosystem doing this work is, is, is clear, is, is really important. It's going to be instrumental in us solving some of these problems. So thank you for uh, spending some time um, with us today. And um, I, I hope you have a wonderful summer and enjoy that Tour de France. Um, and I'll see you around Ottawa. So thanks so much, Rob. Thanks, Ted. It's been a lot of fun. I'll, I'll see you on the bikes. 